Let's go through every single package installed with a Linux install image. I'm going through the software included with Slackware, but these are all open source applications and libraries, so whether you're running Slackware like me, or Fedora, Debian, BSD, or even Mac or Windows, you can probably download, install, and try these on your computer. So chances are, you'll be able to learn something from this podcast. Let's get started. The first package in the list today is Plasma Framework, which uh, lists gets listed as the pa- a package containing Plasma libraries and runtime components, such as QML support for Plasma. And if you look at the contents of the package, uh, the only executable in it is Plasma PKG2, I think, yeah. And uh, we'll get into what exactly that does momentarily. There's a bunch of different licensing options uh, listed here, which is significant because this is a development thing. So you you may want to release your thing under the GPL. You might want to do it under the LGPL and so on. So um, the, the bulk of this framework does seem to be the QML uh, support. A couple of plugins here and there, uh, like libraries that you can hook into. But um, mostly, yeah, it is QML. And QML is... Can we find out what QML really means? Um, No, we cannot find out what QML really means. QML is a um, sort of a, a scripting language for Qt. And so, because KDE is based on Qt, QML is kind of a big deal. It's kind of a big part of of of, of how you might want to interface or, or program the Plasma desktop. Now, I will say that expectations, you know, arbitrary expectations are one thing, reality is another. When I first heard about QML, I kind of imagined, from the, especially because of the name, QML, something like, you know, HTML or XML or something like that, where it's a simple uh, kind of declarative, I think is the correct term, programming language for, for GUI programming. And and it is that, actually. It's pretty simple. If you go to, and I'll, I'll try to include this link in the show notes, develop.kde.org slash docs slash extend slash plasma slash widget slash QML, there are, well, and, and actually just in that general area, you'll find lots of really, really good tutorials on how you could program your environment. And QML, as 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 I think programming and a, a GUI goes is pretty darned nice. I mean, it's it, the little sample, or not, it's not a complete application, but kind of the the structure of it starts with uh, import cute quick 2.0. So you've just made an import. You've imported some important library. In C++, that would have been an include statement, and you would have had to know the path to the thing that you were going to. This is a, a quick import statement, just like in, in Python. Item curly brace... Um, ID colon widget or text colon quote hello world or color colon quote uh, you know hash FFF and so on close curly brace so you've got scope you've got clear scoping with curly braces you've got simple declarations of of um objects and yeah it's it's actually pretty approachable I don't know that I'm convinced that the tool chain is as approachable as the language still. And I, I, I'm sure that KDevelop makes it easier than it, you know, could be, 
But I guess what I'm saying is that there's a, a certain learning curve to an IDE anyway for a lot of people. It's complex, in other words. And and I don't know the right answer to, to making it not complex. Uh, you know, programming is, as I've said before, it's still really complex. It's a, it's a, it's a big deal. I would love if it continued to get easier. And I think that little languages like QML and Lua and I guess Python, not really though, um, they make it, well, yeah, Python does. I mean, objectively, it makes it more approachable. I mean, you can't argue with the results. People are using Python. It's a great place to start. I don't know if it's the best place to start in the larger scheme of things, because I think that its tool chain is actually quite complex as well. I mean, really, you tell me when I'm supposed to install my virtual environment. Should I be programming without one? And once I have one, what? how do I package it up? And so on. I mean, it's it's a complex topic. I think there's opportunity for us to improve this. But QML is an, another entry into that, into that effort. And it's a good entry. And we can even try it out ourselves because... QDevelop comes with a couple of templates that you can try. Bizarrely, though, the easy template to use, at least in my experience so far, has been the QML C++ template, not the, what I'll call the the pure QML template, which, I mean, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> like, this is, it's like we, we, we we gain one thing at, at the expense of another. So there is a QML template, you can try it in kdevelop. So launch kdevelop and go to the project menu up in the top left. Select new from template and go down in the category column to plasma. Makes sense. This is the plasma framework that we're talking about right now. So this is the Plasma category. There's a data engine, which you'll recognize if you compare the libraries available in the Plasma framework package. There's a data engine one. There's also a Plasmoid. Now the Plasmoid, if you select that one, then over in the final column, you've got Plasmoid, you've got a little picture of a, some aliens and a UFO, and the drop-down menu reads plasma qml slash c plus plus applet now there are other choices there there's plasma qml applet with qml extension there's plasma qml applet those i found required more work than the than just the 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 plain qml c plus plus applet unfortunately in real life that's you're 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 kind of sacrificing a lot of the benefits from from using QML in the first place. So I'm going to name this project Fake QML next. Uh, version control none for now. So I'll click finish, and now it wants me to put this. Uh, it wants me to create a build directory. So I'll just take the default. Although I will take I will change the build type to just a release build type. I don't I don't want to debug right now. So we'll say okay to that, and you get a project. There may or may not be a warning in there about a deprecated uh, applet function, uh, yeah, function uh, or class rather that, that that is being sort of misused or, or at least is being used in, you know, something deprecated is being used. That's okay. You might also get a warning about the uh, .moc file. That's a, what if it's meta object something or another. Uh, it's a cute thing. It doesn't matter that it's missing because all you have to do right now is click build, the build button in the upper left corner of kdevelop. That builds the application, and that, that when it while it's building, CMake knows through the auto mock um, macro to generate the mock file that it needs, so it's it's okay. Moc, not mock, mock. Um, so once you've built it in your terminal, you can go to seed. You you can go to uh, 
wherever you've saved your project file. I've got it in just tilde slash projects. And then go into fake QML, do an LS, and you see that there's a build folder and a source folder. You'd think you would go into the build folder. You'd be wrong. It's the package folder. It's the source folder. And in the source folder, there is a package folder. Go into the package folder. Now you're in the place where uh, this project's package is being constructed. And to install a QML or a Plasma package, you use, predictably possibly, Plasma PKG2, which again, that's the sole binary included along with this uh, with this Plasma framework package. So you, you include that and you do, or you, uh, you invoke that, you do a Plasma PKG, you can do a dash dash help to kind of get an idea of, of what the options are, but essentially it's Plasma PKG2 space dash dash install space dot because you're in the you're in the package location. If you weren't, you could just give the full path, but I just felt it was easier to go there. So install dot hit return and uh, it's it's installed now. So where did it get installed to? Well, a QML it, it's classified what you're building when you when you create a, a plasmoid or a widget. It's it's a K service. And you might remember a couple of episodes back me talking about K-Service uh, and how you could build your own K-Services by, by adding like these desktop files to your, and, and they would appear in your context menu and so on. Well, th- this one specifically is a K-Service uh, d- earmarked as a widget. And so if you go to your desktop and go to add widgets, uh, right click, add, add widgets, just right click out on your desktop, add widgets. Then the widget panel comes up on the left of your screen. And now if you search for QML, uh, you'll find that there's a widget now called fake QML. And you can click on that and it'll pop up a little little widget on your desktop. It's very small. And it's that picture that you saw in KDevelop the, of the UFO with the aliens in it. So you've just created, I mean, you know, by clicking buttons and taking the defaults, you just created a widget for your desktop. And it's a GUI interface, and you can have all kinds of different fields and, and buttons in there. And it's all documented on uh, within the KDE, uh, the develop.kde.org. So you can find out all the different kinds of actual widgets you can use inside of your widget. So your widgets you can use in your plasmoid. Um, and you can you can invoke them relatively easy. I mean... If you look at some QML code, you kind of get the idea. A lot of it's just really simple statements, label, you know, key value pairs, essentially. Um, I mean, it gets more complex than that, but it's it's a pretty approachable language. Now, if you want to build just pure QML and not have to worry about the C++ stuff, which I, I would imagine would have a lot of value, then that's, you're, I guess you could do it through KDevelop. I found it more confusing than probably just going through a text editor as described in the uh, the tutorials on develop.kde.org. But it's pretty cool. And I mean, you know, its use cases is a little limited maybe because it is, it, it's a plasmoid. But QML seems like something that for GUI development, it might be something to look into because it certainly is uh, less of a learning curve, I think, than C++ and, you know, figuring out all the the, the tool chain things that you need. Um, KDevelop does quite nicely take care of a lot of the CMake stuff for you and the QMake stuff, so that's nice. But um, yeah, I don't know. QML, probably worth investigating if you are pondering a um, a hobby in 
creating GUI applications that run uh, within the Qt framework. Next one up is Qt. No, it's not Qt. It is Plasma Integration. Plasma Integration. It's a set of plugins responsible for better integration of Qt applications when they're running in KDE. So let's take a look at var var log packages plasma integration and of course there aren't any binaries uh, there's an include for plasma key data dot h for a header file a library for plasma uh, plasma im platform put context plugin kde plasma platform theme it's important and um some configuration updates and so on so as i understand it and it's hard to verify this without going and looking in great detail at the source code which i'm not going to do uh as far as i understand it from what i'm reading here if you're running just a cute application and you might think well what's a, a cute application like what, what would that include it could, could include lots of different things actually um some non-open source applications out there are built around the cute framework so especially uh in visual effects i i don't that that's the industry i i know i guess the best outside of IT, so um, that's the one I can think of. There, there may be other, I'm sure there are other industries with cute framework applications, but in visual effects, that, that's a, it's quite common to see cute applications uh, there. So that's one of them. Uh, Qtractor is another application that, that I quite like. It's an audio, digital audio workstation focused, I guess, you know, arguably heavily on MIDI, or maybe I shouldn't say it that way. Maybe I should say it has really good MIDI support, uh, but you can, you could certainly use MIDI and the audio files and so on. So that's, that's one. And these, these applications, what makes them cute, um, is that they don't use the KDE framework. So plasma integration quote provides for better integration. I mean, I don't exactly know what that means without looking at the source code, but that's, that's the idea that if you're not hooking into the KDE framework for whatever reason, you're just creating a cute platform application. I guess it's going to help you run it or, or integrate with with Plasma. Okay, so there's that. Um, and and again, it's, it's more or less a guess based on the description provided in Slackware. I have not gone to look and study the source code. So next up is Plasma-NM. This is the Plasma Network Manager fantastic application it just makes managing your networks so easy and you know i i never i i always thought that the the concept or the term network manager i always kind of thought that was maybe a little bit grandiose i mean what do you need out of a network manager you need to click on a button select your wi-fi network and sign in right not a big deal it, it let's just call it a, a wi-fi selector something like that Turns out, no, it's a network manager. Um, network management, network, a network manager for your computer can be, in some situations, really, really complex. And you may need that for, for whatever reason. And I can think of a couple of different reasons where you might need that. So if in the in your system tray, uh, you can click on the little network icon. Looks like a little computer with a little tiny little Ethernet logo, I think is what it's called. Or uh, not called. I think it's supposed to be like a little Ethernet cable maybe or a port. Um, in fact, maybe that is an Ethernet port on its, on, its, on its head. I don't know. Looks like a computer screen to me with a little Ethernet port 
like up in the left corner. Uh, that's your network um, icon in the system tray. You can click on that and it'll bring up all of your networks, uh, including any, any wired connection that you are connected to, potentially any wireless connections that are available, and it gives you a button here to create a hotspot. If you need to share your internet connection with anyone else, you can search through all of your networks. And I know, you're, you're thinking, who would have that many networks that they would need a search box? Well, first of all, if you've ever been traveling, then you know that a lot of times you will walk into a place like a, a mall or an airport, and there are so many wireless signals. So it's actually quite realistic potentially for you to, to want to just quickly search and filter through network names. So there there is that. But in the upper right corner of this network widget is a little uh, setting icon. And click on that, and that brings you to, that, that opens up the KCM, which opens up within system settings. And that's the connections uh, panel in system settings. And this is kind of the, this this really is kind of the the Plasma Network Manager. This is the one. This is where you go for your network management, which I've, I've kind of talked about this in the in the past when we were just talking about network management or network manager. This is the Plasma version of it. So that little pop-up menu is the Plasma Network Manager. All of that is configured within system settings, and that's where you can create new networks. So for instance, if you need to add a new network connection, you can create that here. What kind of connection might you have to create? Well, it could be um, a... I mean, the Wi-Fi and the wired are, are you know, generally expected to be done automatically. But what about a mobile broadband? Maybe you need to add uh, a connection for a, uh, a whatever, 5G, 4G, whatever the technical term for that stuff is. Um, for that, a mobile broadband connection, uh, an InfiniBand, a DSL connection. I'm so glad I don't have to deal with that anymore. I mean, a lot of that, again, it might already be something that's just auto-configured on your computer, which is great, but if for whatever reason you need to add that s separately, then you can. And and I think even sort of bigger than that are the VPN connections, because those generally wouldn't be auto-detected uh, auto because there's nothing to auto-detect yet. You have to create that. You have to generate that. So there's open VPN, point-to-point -point tunnel protocol. There's secure socket tunneling protocol. There's SSH. There's WireGuard. Uh, and then there's an import VPN connections. And that's the great thing about a VPN connection is that there's, you know, the configuration file generally is just plain text. It has some specifiers about what server you're connecting to and what your key, your, your auth token is, and so on. And you can just import that, and it becomes a connection that you can use within Network Manager. Really, really nice. And then you can drill down, too, into them. And, for instance, maybe you have a VPN where uh, it only works over IPv4, so you could make it uh, dependent upon an IPP, uh, IPv4 connection. Or maybe you have a VPN connection that um, is only for a subset of IP addresses. I mean, sometimes your, your, your VPN is a VPN where you just want to, you want to direct all of your network traffic through this VPN, through the VPN server. But sometimes that's not the case, uh, especially for work VPN, quite, quite possibly. You're just essentially opening up a, a 
gateway into your your work network your virtual private network you're opening up that you're giving yourself access to that network and everything on that network but you still want access to everything on your own network because it's your personal connection maybe that is providing the internet or your local uh, home network and so on so you can connect you can configure rather that uh, from within this control panel. You can define whether all users are permitted to connect to this network or not. You can set a specific firewall zone for the, for a, a specific network and so on. So so VPN is I think one major uh, use case. Mobile broadband connection possibly. I don't I've never really had one in my computer so I don't know if that's auto detect generally or not. Uh, and then the other one is uh, changing locations. So if you've got you, you take your laptop to work, you take your laptop to home. If you want to have distinct sort of networking profiles, that's possible with Network Manager. So turns out that Network Manager is not a grandiose name for this application. It's It really can be a full-on Network Manager. It may not be. For you, it might literally just be a Wi-Fi chooser, which is fine. But in some situations, you do need a lot more. Network Manager provides that. Next up is Plasma PA, which is a plasma applet for audio volume management using Pulse Audio. Now, this is almost old news at this point. I don't know if you've heard, but there's a new new audio framework in town, because it's just how things are. Um, and it is uh, called Pipewire, and it is quite exciting. People seem to really be enjoying it. I uh, was trying it out myself for a while and didn't make a whole lot of uh, headway, which... Um, which is fine. Uh, I didn't really, I didn't, I didn't give it a whole much, a, a whole, I didn't give it much of a chance. So I'll, I'll have to look at that again. But Plasma PA is the one that I've kind of gotten used to. And so it's kind of the thing that I, I'm defaulting to right now. Um, but I do, I do intend to do more with Pipewire because it is supposed to be really, really nice. So Pulse PA, it is a, it is the, um, what is it, Pavu Cuddle of of Gnome, I think, is, there, there's a, I mean, it, Pavu Cuddle also occurs, you know, you can use that anywhere, but, but if you want a KDE-specific, KDE Plasma Desktop-specific volume control center, then Pulse-PA is the thing that you're likely to run into. And you can get there a couple of different ways. I made it a shortcut on my panel because I just use it all the time. I'm always switching between this microphone that I'm speaking to you on right now, which is an ex- it's a Zoom um, H4 microphone mounted on a microphone stand or, or an arm, I guess. And uh, I had intended to kind of use that for a lot of different things, but it kind of kept getting in my way just physically. So I also have my gaming sort of style headset with a little microphone on it. So sometimes I'm switching to that for other things, uh, for like work calls and stuff like that. And then I've got this microphone and then sometimes I want output to one set of headsets or to, I'm all the time switching inputs and outputs. So I've got that as a pinned item on my panel. So when I click that, that once again, it takes me to system settings. Why? Because there's a KCM called KCM... I don't know, Pulse PA or something. I mean, it's it's in this package, KCM underscore Pulse Audio. That's the name of the of the plugin. So it's a user lib64 cute five plugins, KCMs slash KCMs underscore Pulse Audio. There's some QML here. That's, that could be interesting to look at, to be honest. 
kind of looking at the QML that builds. That would be very interesting to look at the source code for. The rest of it's pretty much just documentation. So really the thing that you're going to be interacting with is the KCM, the KDE configuration model, uh, um, module, m module? Yeah, module, because it's a KCM module and it's redundant, yeah. So KCM. Uh, th this has a couple of different sections, which I'll be honest, it's a little bit clunky. I feel like what it really wants to have is a panel, uh, sort of a table of contents panel. Um, I, I, I think the the danger there would be then you've got a bunch of different sub-columns going to different sub-columns, but I don't know, I think I would like that. So there's, it's audio, and then there's playback devices, and each playback destination, or in theory, each playback destination is listed here. Now I say in theory because um, there's no monitor device here, and and I don't mean computer monitor like a display. I mean a there's there is a thing in Pulse Audio where you can you can tie into a monitor channel that is, it's sort of almost a recursive or meta thing. It's like the monitor of this of this device. So if you have a playback device sending um, sound to speaker CH321, and you want to pipe that to the input of something else, then you could pipe the monitor of speakers CH321 into the input of something else. Or, or you rather, you could use that monitor as the input for something else. And I used to do that a lot for um you know background music on calls and things like that if i wanted to have a if i wanted to have sounds or something in a call i could i could use that kind of as a soundboard almost i think it's in pavu cuddle that you can still you you can do that but for whatever reason within this kcm i've not yet seen a monitor device existing so anyway playback devices and then there's like you know speaker ch3 who one line out and simultaneous output to both of those places which really why don't i just leave it on there i, I forget I, I do feel like there might be a reason um and then there's uh, recording devices lots of different microphones because there's the microphone that i'm speaking into right now there's the embedded microphones in the not one but two uh webcams that i have mounted on my display it's a long story um and then there's an inactive card which is the hdmi controller thing that just that's just naturally in the the video card that i have and then various playback streams representing everything on my system that is producing or potentially producing audio and you have manual adjustment for each of those different things or you can send them to different places so you could have um some music going to uh your uh your external speakers but something else going to your uh video call or wh whatever and then recording streams and that of course represents anything currently ingesting audio so right now literally there's an audacity uh thing getting sound through an also plug-in which is you know, eventually resolves back to whatever is set here in the audio uh, pulse plasma pa so it's a big overview of all the sound on your system it's really really handy it's um it, it's a really great little application to be honest uh and and the only the only complaint I have about it, I guess, is that I, I've just I have not been able to find the monitor devices for things the way that I I can find them in the 
normal Pavu control, Pavu, Pavu cuddle application, which I, I don't tend to use Pavu cuddle because I just, first of all, I hate the name. It's a stupid name. And, and second of all, um, it's a GNOME kind of application. It just doesn't quite, like, you know, fit into the rest of my sort of workflow exactly. I mean, that's silly. It doesn't matter, really. But, you know, it's just, I don't know. I'm pretty darn familiar with it, so I feel pretty good about about that as my as my interface. And I think it's time for some coffee. Oh, you're you're already here, actually. Uh, that's embarrassing. I I was trying to be very quick, uh, but you beat me back. Plasma SDK. This is the, the these are applications useful for Plasma desktop development. It includes Cuttlefish, C U T T L E Fish, Look and Feel Explorer, Plasma Engine Explorer, Plasma Theme Explorer, and Plasmoid Viewer. Let's kind of start in reverse here and talk about this Plasmoid Viewer. This one is a an interesting little application because at the beginning of this very episode, we just created a Plasmoid, a little widget or an applet. Plasmoid, widget, and applet. Those are all, I think, valid expressions of these little embedded integrated applications. It kind of seems problematic to me. Anyway, um, you just created a Plasmoid. So... Yeah, this is a plasmoid viewer, so you can view something um, without sort of cluttering up your desktop, I guess, uh, would be the use case. I don't really know uh, what the use case for this is, because to me, I would just, I guess I would, because you have to have it installed anyway. So only plasmoids that are installed on the system that you are running plasmoid viewer on are detected by plasmoid viewer. Uh, initially I figured, oh, well, this is going to be something where I don't have to install the Plasmoid. Nope. It, it says very explicitly, only packages, only uh, applets that are installed uh, are detected. You can use kbuildpsychoka5 or whatever it is to um, to, to sort of refresh the, the cache, and and that's that. So it, it has to be installed, but the, the, I guess, the unique feature here... And maybe, I guess this could be the use case itself. The unique feature is that you can control how the plasmoid is viewed quickly and easily within this viewer. So the command is plasmoid viewer, and then you need to do dash dash applet. That's A-P-P-L-E-T. And then the name of the of the applet. And, and that's a little bit tough because you might think, well, the name is, uh, what did we do? Fake QML. No, that's not the name of your applet. That's that was the name of the project that we created and and used, but that's not the name of the actual plasmoid itself. The name is whatever's listed in the .desktop file for that plasmoid. And in this case, because possibly because we didn't set it anywhere else, or I'm, I'm not really sure, I didn't look into it, org.kde.plasma.fakeqml. That's the name of the applet, as unwieldy and n- not very catchy as that is. So hit return, and you get a new window with uh, whatever theme you have selected for your plasmoid viewer, and I'll talk about that in a moment. Um, And you can do all kinds of things, like change the form factor. There's a button. There's a button bar at the bottom of this plasmoid viewer. 
presumably you're supposed to be able to change sort of the form factor and display uh, f um, type of of the the plasmoid although i have not been able to get that to work even with something like um i don't know org.kde.plasma.bluetooth which is the the built-in bluetooth module for this or the yeah built-in bluetooth plasmoid i guess um i'll go to like form factors change it to application refresh nothing's changed uh location full screen refresh nothing's changed so i'm not really sure i mean heck i can even click screenshot and i get an error in the console saying that um it's not authorized the, the screenshot has failed the reply is invalid with error the process is not authorized to take a screenshot so i don't know if i've got something configured poorly or or what uh, but it doesn't seem to be working for me all that well but it still does show the plasmoid that i wanted to see in kind of a self-contained environment and then there are other things like uh dash x or dash dash x position with a p with a capital p set the x position of the plasmoid viewer on the plasma desktop uh you could do the size of the window you can also do the theme so if we do the bluetooth uh uh applet with a theme of let's just do breeze i guess no that's must be what i'm using right now i thought it was on breeze dark uh, let's try oxygen. That should work. Yeah, there we go. Now you're seeing your plasmoid in a different in a different theme than what your desktop is set to. So that's got to be handy, right? You want to see what your plasmoid looks like in a different theme. You don't have to change your whole desktop theme. You just launch plasmoid viewer with dash dash theme, some other theme defined uh, again that you have installed, and and you're good to go. Confusing thing, I think, with all of this stuff, and this is, I mean, this is a lot of stuff, um, are these new sort of, I don't know how new it is, but I mean, for, I think, a lot of users, this new concept of sort of a canonical name versus a name. So the canonical name being something like org.kde.plasma.something. And then the casual name is something different. And I, I really, that, that's painful. And I'm thinking that it's extra painful here because you've got two different options, dash dash applet, that requires this full fancy canonical name thing. And then you got dash dash theme and it's just like, oh, give me the casual name. Well, what is the casual name really? Uh, what if we do like breeze dark? in quotes. Does that change anything? No, that's the same as Breeze. Did I get a, did I get a, an error about that? Don't think so. So I, I'm not sure if I'm just, maybe I don't know what theme I'm using. I don't know. Oxygen, what is it? Air, I think is the light version. Okay. So if it's invalid, it just defaults to your own, to your current theme. That's what I'm seeing. Okay. Well, anyway, that's Plasmoid Viewer. That's a thing that comes with the Plasma SDK package. Next up, I mean, within this package is the um, the Plasma Theme Explorer, Plasma Engine Explorer, and Look and Feel Explorer. So let's do Plasma Theme Explorer. So enter that into a terminal, or I guess you, can you launch it from like Theme X? 
yeah, Plasma Theme Explorer. So you can do it from the um, KDE menu as well. Uh, but anyway, it's called Plasma Theme Explorer. It's a little application that shows you what a theme looks like in general. So uh, that's boring. It's the current f- uh, theme. So there is one called Air. Okay, I knew it was called Air, but I thought it was Oxygen Air. So Air, it's a rather light theme. And you just get to see things like this is what um, this is what the buttons look like in the in the corner. Here's what the analog uh, clock widget looks like. Here's a sample icon and so on. So it's it's really just, it's, it is fairly, um, I want to say raw. Yeah, it's raw. Meaning that it's, it doesn't, it's, it, it is very much, you can tell, sort of like it's parsing user include, or rather user share. It, it's parsing user share something and giving you kind of just a dump of of everything that it finds there um which is fine i i think this is it but it but it does feel a little bit on the you know purely functional side like when you get to the media control box for instance it's just all the all the media control icons crammed into a little 60 uh, not 64 by 64 maybe a 512 by 512 square it's informative it tells you it, it tells you what they look like. It's just not, you know, it isn't necessarily like the most sort of beautiful thing, which again, not a problem. I'm just saying it is a, this is a functional feeling, um, application, useful, functional. So then, uh, look and feel explorer is same kind of deal. It shows you the plasma global theme explorer. You can choose the, um, the theme that you want to, to, to view and it shows you sort of all of the different sort of names and metadata for the different themes so that includes the the screenshot th- thumbnail screenshot then the the again casual name like breeze twilight that's that's what i was looking for i thought it was breeze dark breeze twilight and the comment is breeze twilight for the kde vdg author kde virtual design group email the email version 2.0 so it, it kind of gives you a rundown of what's installed on your system which is useful i guess yeah seems useful um and that's look and feel and then what's the other one the plasma engine uh, i think it was engine explorer yeah uh, and this is the plasma data engine explorer so you've got couple of different things you've got things like org.kde.activities and you can you can look into here and see what kind of data is is stored within the activities um data engine uh there's apps there's applications uh, application jobs rather there's um comic i guess it's the one of the widgets to view web comics and i guess it's got a, a database somewhere solid device engine doesn't look like there's really anything there interestingly don't know how to get that device notifications dictionary so a couple of different places where you know there's data being stored might be interesting might not it may at least show you the structure of some of the the data engines within your within the kde sort of or or within your computer really because this does look at a lot of a lot of things i mean it shows you um you know it'll it'll show you what it can basically it it doesn't have to be a, a kde or a plasma sort of thing i mean it's just it's data about everything that's installed on your computer i i I don't know how useful it is for like everyday users but um 
I think it could be interesting if you are trying to sort of get an idea of the structure of applications and also what kind of um, data and inputs and so on does get stored about different applications. So that's the Plasma Data or Plasma Engine Explorer. I don't have a use case for it, but there it is. It exists. And that's the Plasma SDK package. Next up is System Monitor. This is a, a great one. I mean, it's one of those things that I feel is I feel like once you start using Linux, you start to learn the different, uh, I guess, manual ways of getting all of this information. And I think it's possible, this could just be me, but it's possible to forget about this sort of thing because you just know all of the commands to get this data through through other more generic means. But, I mean, if you think about how often you went to a a task manager of some sort in your old OS. Oh, this is that, or this is partly that. I mean, I think there is actually a dedicated task manager. Yeah, there is a dedicated task manager that you could look at, but but, uh, Plasma System Monitor is, is another way of getting there. So if you launch, if you just type in system space monitor, you can launch that. A little application again. I, I think it probably no, no. It's it is just an application. Okay, um, and it's got all kinds. It's like a dashboard for your computer. This is the kind of stuff probably that honestly I'd I should just put all of this stuff on my desktop. I'll bet you there's a widget, a plasmoid for each one of these things, and I should just have that scattered all over my desktop. But it, it gives you lots of cool information, like how much memory are you using? How much disk space are you using? What's your CPU load? I do have that plasmoid on my desktop. What networks uh, are you connected to? What network rates are you getting right now? Like, literally right now. So it, it's funny because it only shows, like, 480 bits per second. You know, it's like, well... That's not actually my my network speed. That's just the traffic that's being distributed right now or being used right now. Um, what's my system look like? The host name, the operating system name and version, and all these other things. Those are bizarrely not even filled in, so I'm not really sure what's going on there. I'll have to look at that sometime. That's that's not very useful in its current state. Feels like it should be, though, because it's got a slot for Qt version, Plasma version, Framework version. Uh, and then you've got a thing for applications, and that's sort of... Oh, no, it's not. Okay, applications... Oh, oh application view is unsupported on my system. I don't know what that's supposed to do. Um, history, yeah, sure, cool. Uh, that's like a graph view of, of all of those processes that I just talked about. But the other one that I wanted to talk about was processes, which essentially is a PS sort of view or a top view of everything happening on your system right now. It's graphical, GUI, so you can you can click on column names for you know to get different views let's view it by the thing that is consuming the most memory oh look surprise surprise it's my web browser uh let's look at the thing that's using the least uh memory well there's a lot there but yeah so it's um it's a bunch of processes listed uh you can right click on it send signals to it sig hub sig int sig term sig kill uh or just click end process and you can just end the process so it is very much I would say a task manager in that sense. So that is Plasma System Monitor. Next one, Plasma Vault. Plasma applet and services for creating encrypted vaults. Plasma Vault 
offers strong encryption features presented in a user-friendly way. Lock and encrypt documents and hide them when the user is logged in. These vaults can be decrypted and opened easily. So these are plasma vaults. And if we look at most plas plasma-vault, there's a little bit of documentation. Um, there's a plasma vault file item action library. And uh, there's a couple of things within user share plasma plasmoids. And there you see the, the canonical name of it, org.kde.plasma.vault. So that kind of tells us, I think, more or less that this, I mean, it, it says it in the description as well, but just looking through, you know, to training your, your yourself to, to, to catch these things early, this is a plasmoid. This isn't something that you're necessarily going to um, launch from the KDE menu. You're going to add this as a widget or something to your desktop. So I'm going to right-click on my desktop, select add widget because why would it be um why would it be add plasmoid so you add a widget and then you uh find you can search for vault find vault and there it is you add it to your desktop and close that window there you go um you close that widget you add that widget to your desktop and it's it's pretty empty it's uh it says no vaults have been set up so click create new vault and then you get a sort of a little setup wizard where you can call, where you can create um, an encrypted vault for yourself. So, uh, what should we call this? Um, important. How about just data? Let's just call it data. Data. Um, backend cryfs. Uh, let's change that. So there's cryfs, inkfs, and goc. Oh, go cryfs. I guess we'll just do cryfs then next security mode it's uh, encrypted safely storing it you can put it uh oh that's this is a good point you can put it on a, a, you know various clouds that you might want to might want to use for like free cloud storage you know there's all the usuals listed here all the ones that I wouldn't commit data to certainly uh without encrypting it so that's kind of a nice little reminder. And then there's a uh, password creator. So I guess I'll, I'll create a password. Password, no, let's just do bogus123, bogus123. Okay, not a great password, but I don't intend to, to, to share, I don't intend to keep this around. Now, this is nice though. So you can encrypt the data location um, and you can put this wherever you want. So I'm just going to put it um, in my home directory. Am I? Maybe I'm not. Uh, it doesn't seem to like me changing that, so maybe I won't do that. Maybe I'll just keep it where it wants to put it, and that's homeclat2.local share plasma-vault slash data, with a capital D, because that's what I named my, my little vault, dot enc for encrypted. Uh, the mount point is going to be homeclat2vaults data. Choose the cipher. I'll just let it do the default. Limit it to selected activities. That's kind of cool. That's nice. So you could have this not even be available on certain ap activities. That's very cool. Go offline while this vault is open. Switch off networking and Bluetooth. Wow, that is some serious, some serious stuff. Uh, and then you click create. You wait for it to to generate the vault. It does take a while. I would say it even takes a little bit longer than you think it ought to. So it's a, just be patient. But once once it's finished, then the vault has been created, and then it it, it shows up with a little green sort of plug-in um, 
icon displaying, you know, showing you that yes, this thing has been has been created and has been mounted. So it is now an active vault. It shows up in your uh, in like Dolphin, for instance, in at least for me because I don't have a side panel, but it shows up under the submenu of devices. So it sees it as a almost as an external device, and then it opens up just like an empty folder, and you could put stuff into it, store stuff there. And when you're done, uh, click the lock vault button and the icon switches to a little lock icon. And then you know that the vault exists. It's just, it's just locked. So if we want to now unlock and open this thing, I'll click unlock and open. It prompts me for the password, bogus123. And you wait a little bit for it to do all the little, the decryption that it needs to do, which again, takes a little bit longer than I feel like it ought to. It's almost a disconcerting delay but it does work and it pop it, it opens up dolphin for you to that to that location um would i use this i don't know honestly i don't i don't feel like i probably would i don't feel like i'm familiar enough with that encryption scheme cryfs to feel like i could access this vault should this plasmoid sort of go away i mean i'm sure i could look it up probably look it up right now uh let's do amount cryfs volume linux see what what luck i get there how to mount an unmount storage device no that's not useful okay so no no immediately obvious results for that specifically um so yeah i'd have to do a little bit of i guess research really to figure out how how I could access this with from outside of plasma and I would be a little bit nervous until I'd proven to myself that that was possible I'm going to remove the vaults and then before I forget I'm going to go to um trash dot local 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 plasma no what was it local dot um share plasma dash vault yeah data inc Oh, there's some data in there. So I wonder if that's one of the. Mm, I don't know. Yeah, I would want to do. I would want to do some research on what exactly the methodology would be. Right now, for any encrypted files like financial data, things like that, I just use GNU um, PG GPG, and uh, and a little sh- script that I have called. Uh, um, what do I call it? Credit. C-R-E-D-I-T. Because I, I only encrypt, um, really functionally, I, I generally only encrypt text files. Like, that's, I don't really need anything else encrypted. Like, what would you need? What other thing would you need encrypted? Maybe, maybe I guess, maybe financial records or something or something like that? Or your will? I don't know. What Do you need to encrypt your will? I don't know. Whatever you might want to encrypt. I, I do text files. And so when I want to then edit the text file, I simply launch credit, which opens that encrypted file into a RAM disk or, yeah, a RAM disk. And I edit it there in the RAM disk and then save it back to the actual file and re-encrypt and, and I'm done. It's all it's all very simple, very quick, and it works for me. And it's it's OS independent. Like as long as I have GNU GP, GNU, GNU PG, GPG, uh, then I'm good to go. I can just, I can work on that on that file no matter what. So that's kind of my comfort zone for encrypted stuff and backup stuff, you know, kind of like divorced as much as possible from platform specific tools is a good thing. All right, that was 
That was Vault. We only have two more now. Well, three, but let's call it two. Uh, Plasma Wayland Protocols. Guess what that's going to be? Yep, it's Wayland Protocols to ensure that the Plasma desktop works as expected under Wayland. Uh, it says specifically this project contains XML files of non-standard Wayland protocols used by Plasma. So this is the special stuff that Plasma wants to do that Wayland hasn't either integrated or, or has flat out rejected. I don't know. Um, but that's what that is. So I'm not going to look at those. Those are XML files that, that help with Wayland. I am not, for the record, running Wayland on this on, on Slackware right now. I'm just just doing whatever it does by default, which, you know, X is org, and it's fine. It works fine. Um, I may, you know, may eventually switch over to Wayland, maybe, possibly, not sure, but um, I'm pretty happy with whatever I've got right now. I mean, and that's not a philosophical statement. I, I've never, you know, Zorg is, is fine. Um, it, it's, I love a lot of its flexibility, but I also recognize that it's, it's got its problems as well. So Wayland, Wayland seems like a nice sort of eventual target to get to, but I, I don't feel a, an urgent need to get there either. And there are only two more to go for within Plasma anyway. I mean, there's more after that within the KDE package set, but with the ones starting with Plasma, there are but two to go. Plasma Workspace and Plasma Workspace Wallpapers. One of those isn't that big of a deal, but the other one has a bunch of executables in there that are going to be really great to talk about because they're some of my favorite applications or rather functions of the Plasma desktop. So when you think of the Plasma desktop, I guess technically you're actually probably thinking of Plasma Workspace because there's a bunch of stuff in here. I'm not going to cover it in this episode. There's just too much to, to go over. It'll happen in the next episode. Be here for that. They're great. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. My name's Klaatu. You can reach me anytime over email with feedback or comments, tips, or just to say hi. My email address is klaatu at slackermedia.info. You can also reach me on the Mastodon network, not klaatu, at mastodon.xyz. The show's intro and outro music is by Fat Chance Lester. You can find their music on bandcamp.com or on gnuworldorder.info in the archive you'll find a music directory containing the album from which this music has been extracted until next time thanks for listening and keep the source open
don't bother me anymore. Just go home and sleep it off.